Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. Thank you, Lord. And if you would, open your Bibles to John 17. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're here. And... Uh, and if you're here in the room, we're glad, we're glad you're here as well. Uh, well, I'm, I'm excited about, and, and sad in a way, I was going through some books this week. I was telling Kim, I've just had such a great time uh, in John this spring. And it's been life-giving, I think, to the church, reading and rereading John again and again. And uh, so we're wrapping this series up today on John 13 through 17. We, the first one earlier in the spring was called Signs and Signposts. And then this one has been called Into the Heart of God. And we're actually pointing the way forward now into the series that's going to start next week, which some of the guys will be touching on the Gospel of John. Others will be in other places. But that's going to be Signpost People in everyday life. And we're going to hear from some of the different voices in the church like we do in our summer series. And we've got great communicators and there's just something power about, powerful about the word of our testimony and hearing the testimony go forward. The enemy is overcome by the word of our testimony, the blood of the lamb and loving not our souls unto death. So excited about that. And I mean, even this passage that we're looking at today, if I was going to do a message, and I'm not just, this isn't just a signpost message for me, but man, a big part of my story has been influenced. Part of my, whatever signpost I, I'm doing and living, it's, it's because of John 17. This has been a huge impact in my life. I remember October 11th, 1993, when I read John 17, 26, and it illuminated, and it changed my life. That I somehow understood that night that I was going to somehow, in a way that blew my mind, have the Father's love for the Son of God. Because that's what he's praying. And Jesus isn't praying something that's like, maybe, maybe not. You know, it's, this is the heart of God, is that we would have the Father's love for the Son. Isn't that a blow away? And that, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to point people toward. And unity, living in unity together and being the people of God together. And joy. I want joy to be a part of the deal. When I wrote my mission statement out years ago, 30 years ago, and I shared it with my dad and the Lord Don Fento, he said, Jamie, these things are great. You know, lead a multiplying fellowship of believers and just make disciples and this kind of stuff. And, uh, but he said, you don't have joy in here and it needs to have joy. Don't you want joy in the journey? Like that, like, don't you want joy in the journey? <laughs> okay. I know you do. I know you do. We all do. And uh, so this is profound, this chapter, because we actually see the desire of Jesus. You actually know what is the desire of Jesus, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we know what his desire is, is that we would love him with the Father's love. We would love the Father with the, with this, the love that Jesus, or like, it's so intimate, it's, it's almost like, wow, do we really get to do this? Do we really get to hear this? It's such a blow away, an extended prayer between the Father, between the Son and the Father, and so I'm calling this message the summit of love. And I'm going to explain more about that, but I think it really is a picture of the summit of the love of God. So the context, we've been talking about it for weeks, 
is that Jesus has let the disciples know that he's gonna go away. And they're anxious, they're stressed. Jesus is gonna die on the cross. But he says, hang on, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious, I'm coming again. I'm coming back and I'm the way and I'm gonna come and make my home in you and live with you and be with you. And I'm gonna send the spirit. And in the end, the last thing he says to them is take heart, I've overcome the world. And we need to hear that word because we feel the stress of the times that we live in, right? Anybody, just do a little wave at me. We feel it, recession, economics, really not gonna try to bum you out, but I'm gonna say some of the stuff here. <laughs> Schools, violence, shootings, broken relationships, disappointment, and wars. As Christians, that nagging question and I'm just going to ask it again. We've been asking it these last few weeks. Did we learn everything that we needed to learn in 2020? Because it's all coming back. And the question is right now, while the RPMs aren't there, and while everybody's not, you know, amygdala fired and veins necked and, and all of that, how are we going to respond to each other? How are, we going to, how are we going to love each other? Is there anything that's going to happen down out there in the future that's going to stop us from loving each other? That's good. Come on. And being unified together as the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God. It's bigger than this stuff. It's bigger than the elections. It's bigger than parties. It's bigger than sectarian agendas. Religious divisions and accusations and all of that stuff. Bill Gaultier, uh, he heads up a ministry called Soul Shepherding. And uh, somebody we've gotten to know down through the years in the Antioch movement here. And I get a little newsletter from him and I pulled these two paragraphs out on anxiety. He said, well, we also feel anxious when affected by, by trauma, by spiritual warfare, abuse and sin, either our sin or the sin of others against us. Isn't that the truth? I, I, don't you just hate it like you feel anxiety when you sin but praise God there's grace through Jesus Christ but we do feel anxiety it causes anxiety in our hearts he goes on and says other reasons for anxiety include stress overload conflict in relationships and health problems some anxiety is because we are overworking not setting boundaries I'm getting a little bit of a ring. I don't uh, know if something can help us. Um, not setting boundaries, having unrealistic expectations of ourselves or, here's, or our children. I added that in. Always wanting more, hurrying, or trying to control people or situations. Can you guys identify? I mean, that's the plight of broken humanity for all of us. It's a word for all of us. And so this coming to John 17, then the summit of love, you know, we've been asking, who is Jesus? What does he care about? And what should we care about? Who is Jesus? And it's the, it's the question of the ages. And then here we come to John 17, and it's so intimate. We get, to, Lord, this is what kind of a gift is this? that we get to hear the conversation of the triune God. This is absolutely the inner core of the inner core. And, and it's a summit because, you know, you guys have heard me say Ephesians is the Mount Everest. Well, if Ephesians is the Mount Everest, this is the summit. 
because it's on this place of love and the, the, the inner workings of the triune God of grace that you, st you stand on this summit and you can look backward into time because it's outside of time. So it's, it's out, you loved me before the creation of the world. And so from the summit, you can look back and see creation and see the history and see the, the fall of man and see the story of Israel and Abraham and see the promises and see the working of the Old Testament. And it's just like it's the plane down there. Imagine standing, it's not cold though. It's not like you're freezing to death and have oxygen tanks on, but it's, it's, it's okay. You're standing there and you can look back and see all of that and see where God's taking this thing in the future. It's the summit of love. It's the summit of God's own interworking of the love between the Father and the Son and the shared communion and the Holy Spirit. And it's all understood through the lens of Jesus. Jesus is the revelation. People say, why do you always talk about Jesus? It's because we wouldn't know what God is like apart from Jesus. So John is, you know, he's writing at the end of the first century this, this gospel, he's got the other gospels in front of him. He's read those gospels. And this is, he's saying, this is so important. And he was writing, the, uh, there was this Ebionite heresy that said that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. And so he's writing to really combat that. I'll hit that some more in a minute. But John 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And this is why we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, and we look to Jesus, and he reveals what God's really like. And so often, you guys... And again, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm saying things I wanted to say later. But it's like our ideas about God are often so omni and other. And they don't look like Jesus. Whoa, Jesus comes in humility and as a servant and suffers on our behalf and enters into our humanity and touches our lost and broken sinful selves. And he takes us with him to the cross, into death, and into life, and into the heart of the triune God of grace. It's, right. it's, it's beautiful. This is the center of the center of the center. And, you know, if you want a glimpse of what God cares about, this, what we're about to read, is what he cares about. And he hasn't changed. And when we say he's unchanging, this is his unchanging heart of love for us. It's just such a it's such a blow away. I think sometimes we want to see behind the curtain. What's, what are people in authority and power really like? If you can imagine, you're working at the biggest corporation in the world, and you go up to the top floor, and there's the boss. He's in charge of everything. He has all the authority, and you walk around the corner, and what's he doing but praying for you? He's, he's lifting you up. He's praying that you would know his love. Like, if you're coming in this morning and you're, you're kind of lost or something and, and you've got some ideas or arguments in your heads ahead about well, why God doesn't love you or something, like, he loves you. Come on. It's true. He loves you, and you need to hear this. Like, I need to hear it. Yep. I was on a roundtable thing for some pastors a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and we were supposed to pick a picture 
out of this stack of about 100 pictures of what, uh, what our soul was like. And it's one of those touchy-feely <laughs> kind of things. And I'm looking through all these pictures. People are skydiving and all this. And I'm like, no, 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 100 times. You know, no, no. And I came to a waterfall. And it had three main sh things. And I was like, okay, that one's for me. The triune God of grace and love. And, and there was a guy standing there and there was a rainbow and he's just like, you know, and I'm like, that, that's, okay, that's me. I want to do that. And then there was another one. The second one was of a, a dad walking a, a little son out of a dark place and into the light. And like, don't you, and I'm like, that, that's for me too. And then there was another one with a, a notebook and some writing. And, and I knew that one was for me as well. Um, Might have, should have. I don't know where I'm going with that story. <laughs> the love of God. That's it. The love of God. Yeah, thank you. And so, so we're coming into this section, and the whole thing, Jesus said, remember at the beginning of John 13, he was going to show them his love and how he loved them to the end. Then he serves them through betrayal, through denial, and loves them. I'm going to show you the way. I'm coming to make my home with you. My father's coming. When the Spirit comes on that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. you know? And he promises the Spirit who's going to come and bring what he has and make it known to us in the power of the Spirit. And then finally, that promise, take heart, I've overcome the world. So here's what I'm trying to say today. The main thing is the summit of love is a picture into the heart of God and his desire and vision for our lives together. So it's for me as an individual, it's for you, but it's always corporate. But we don't always understand that in our very individualized Western mindset, but it's God's vision is for us together. One people, one tribe. I was, I was laughing sitting there as the high school students were talking about where they're going and like I actually, you know, Effie the Eagle, I went to North Texas State, uh, University of North Texas now. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> and, you know, there's all these tribes, right? You got there. Let's give a cheer for North Texas State. Isn't that crazy? And then I saw there was a, and then we got our, you know, the, the Go Frogs. And who else? Was that, oh, Abilene Wildcats. Evelyn Christian Wildcats. That's the, see the W? C, Wildcats. <laughs> College Station. But we are many, I just like, it's funny to me. Like, people get really uptight, but we're one. One people. And that, that one's, that's, that's actually easier to hear. Than, than some of the other ways we get divided. So here we go. Let's stand up for this first section of reading from the scripture. Jesus is praying for his glory. These three parts. Again, if the points sound familiar, it's because I'm pulling them from the NIV. So after Jesus said this, he just said, I've overcome the world. After he'd said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, 
that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Have a seat. So, you know, when you think about all authority, gave him authority over all people, like that's a lot of authority. And it's like we have to, he's the sent son who is humble, serving, other-centered, self-giving, loving, agape. Like that is, that's a reorientation for us to think about authority over everything. And yet that's how God is revealed to us in the sending of the Son, who is the image of the invisible God, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact representation of his being. And you guys, we all have to reorient there. We, we all have to reorient there. Um, it, it's just, it's a, it's a huge thing. And so what the text says there in Greek, authority over all people, it actually says authority over all flesh. So over, 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 our, over everything. It's about, it's about our relationship to God and our relationship to Jesus because he has authority over all flesh. It relativizes all other priorities, our family, our race, our ethnicity, our preferences, our they, they all come under this primary relationship to Jesus, who has all authority over all flesh, over our culture, come on, over another culture, over sub-variations of cultures within our culture, all of that. He has all authority. And we want to use that authority ourselves. We've been given authority as image bearers. That, again, that's what was lost in the garden, right, was authority, we gave up authority, and now Jesus has come and gotten that authority back, and he's giving it to us, but that means that our exercising of authority must be in relationship to him. That's why we get up and spend time with Jesus every day, because we need to hear what he's saying about the day. Like, and, and it not just be opinions. Like, where there are a lot of opinions, there's not the authority of the Lord. Just, you, you can't blah, 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 I think, I think, I think, blah, 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 and be connected with the head who is wanting to speak his will and way and kingdom and life in and through us. It's just, it's, it's, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, and it's, it's a calling, I think, to imagine life in a new way, to imagine living life connected to Jesus in all things. And it's not a new message for us, but it's, man, we need encouragement. I need encouragement to come under and to say, Lord Jesus, lead me today. Let me walk with you today. Show me how to walk with you. Show me how to abide. Show me how to open my mouth in a way that reflects your love and life and goodness and character. Help me to stay in the overlap and not separate myself through, you know, all the different ways that we get, get off and wonky, sin, brokenness, selfishness, those kinds of things. And the second thing he says there is eternal life. So you got authority, 
but you've also got eternal life. This is eternal life, knowing you, believing, trusting. It's the purpose of the gospel of John is that we would believe and have life. And what is that life? It's a participation in his love. It's life and love and light. It all goes and flows together. There's a coherence there. There's an overlapping of this life that he's given us. And when we live in that place, it affects each other. We, can, we don't get to walk together and not affect each other. We, we do affect each other. And we want to live in this way, live in his love together. And man, I feel like a broken record, but love one another. And, you know, it's th this unity and loving one another. I almost, I thought about calling this the final frontier. <laughs> like space. <laughs> like, we don't have this down. And, you know, the tradition says John went around at the end of his life muttering, love one another. Little children, love one another. Little children, love one another. And it, it's powerful. Irenaeus at the end of the second century said, the glory of God is the human person fully alive. And how are we fully alive? In his life and in his love together. And, you know, I mean, there really is clarity in moments like, I just feel there's like clarity in moments like this. Oh God, help us. Help us, Father, so that when we're in the anxiety and stress of what's coming in the future, and certainly what's coming next year. You don't have to be real prophetically minded, although the prof prophetically minded are going bonkers. It's coming. We're in the calm before the storm. But the exhortation here is brothers and sisters, love one another. Love one another. Walk in unity together. Serve one another. And we're going to talk more about what that specifically means. The second section then is that Jesus prays for his disciples. I've revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those that you've given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. Wow. And the glory has come, glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the word world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. 
For them I sanctify myself that they too may be sanctified. It's so rich and good and it just and it stands on its own. You know, I don't, I, I don't know how much I need to say here, but holiness, you guys, sanctify them. I sanctify myself so that they can be sanctified. Holiness isn't something that we're stretching out and hoping one day that we'll get. Holiness happens as we welcome the Holy One who comes to dwell in us. I'm going to say it again because we need to. Holiness doesn't come as we stretch toward God, but as we welcome the Holy One who comes to dwell in us. And our expanding life of sanctification and growing and maturity is an outworking of the, the God who lives in us and comes to dwell in us by His Spirit. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that life, that shared life together. And it's beautiful. And He wants us to have joy while we're in the world, protected while we're in the world, and sanctified while we're in the world. It's just He is the truth that we're longing for. Like He is the truth. And His Word, what He's speaking is truth. Lord, open our eyes to see You and to long for You. And Father, let that prayer be answered here at Antioch, Fort Worth, in my soul and in yours, in my mind and my thinking and in yours, that we together as a people would be assigned, like now if you could imagine us all doing this at the same time, (laughs) pointing with clarity to Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and God's purpose in and through us for what he wants in the world, to make things right, to bring righteousness and grace and love and peace in the midst of turmoil and anxiety and all of that as a people being a signpost, people together. And then finally, third piece there is Jesus prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. Oh Lord, open our eyes to see this. I pray also for those who will believe in me. Those, 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 those. This is us. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow. Father, I want those that you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And I know that you have sent me. I have made you known and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I just feel like I need to keep saying this is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Wow. You know, wild. This is the summit. Mount Everest, the summit, not cold, no oxygen tanks, we can breathe, it's okay, but this is the summit. 
This is the inner working of the heart of the triune God of grace and love. And it's beyond words. It really is. John is writing to combat this, this heresy at the end of the first century. People are denying the incarnation. And we don't use heresy around here a lot, but denying the incarnation is, that's, that's a heresy. And it still happens today. And it is one of the focal points, like it, the, it was the struggle for pagans was they could not suffer, they couldn't suffer that God would become flesh, that God would become that humble. It wasn't, it, it was a totally new idea in the first century that God was humble. You know, and it's still a struggle, even in liberal theology and stuff that, you know, there's no miracles, but there's really no incarnation. This is the focal point of our faith, that Jesus is the incarnate son, the crucified son, the resurrected son, the ascended Lord of heaven and earth, poured out his spirit and coming again to judge the living and the dead. All right. um, it's awesome. Humility of God. Lord, thank you. We, who would have thought this up, really? A humble king coming to take our place, to be a substitute for us, to die for us, to be raised for us, to be ascended and pour out his spirit for us. Praise be to your name. And it's at this late first century place, you know, you see, you, if you read John and the, the letters and Revelation together, you, you see like there's a lot of stuff going down at the end of the first century. And there's some intense stuff happening. And just We were reading First uh, John together uh, last week, a few of us. And I want to just read a few verses. And this is on warnings against denying the Son. And so I'm just going to read a few paragraphs here. This is John, First John. He's writing the letter. And you see this kind of tension in Second John. And you see this kind of tension in 3 John. People are denying each other faith and fellowship over this issue. And it's, it's, it is the issue, the incarnate son. So he says, dear children, chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. So it's all the more the last hour now. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. So just cut through all the wild, crazy, end time stuff and just listen to John. It's about Jesus, okay? Just straight up, it's about Jesus denying that person. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. And if it does, 
you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. Praise God. And this is what he promised to us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. Same message we've been saying, just different language in a little different context, but it's, that's it. Abide in him. Remain in him. Walk in the truth. Love one another. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him, born of God, born into this relationship of life and love. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, we are children of God, and, that, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I keep going, just read it. It's like, it's good, right? And it's the word of God, and we need to hear it, that we are his children, and we are to live in his love and in his life together, like family. You know, what causes us to walk away? What would cause us to walk away from loving one another? May it never happen. May it, may it never, ever happen. What would cause us to walk away from this kind of view of being the people of God together? One holy, Catholic, apostolic church because that's that's who we are i don't mean the catholic like the roman catholic i mean the the catholicity of the church that there's one church there is one church even though it has divided relentlessly down through the centuries there is one church there's one church and there's people that we disagree with there's people like i wish you wouldn't go down that road that are our brother's in the family and our sisters in the family down through the centuries and when we preach this way when I share this you guys it is prophetic it's, it, I'm preaching prophetically that we would be the one people that we would live this out that we would make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace that God has given to us in new birth and life in Christ so Lord help us what should we care about practically? Hit this. The first one, we value the relational unity in the body of Christ. We should care about this. Yes. We should be like, you know, I know I disagree or I, I see it different, but we're not gonna divide over it. Yeah, we value relational unity in the body of Christ. All those things that Jesus is praying for, that we would be one just in the same kind of relational unity and love between the Father and the Son, there's distinction. The Father's not the Son. The Son's not the Father, but there is love that is so one that He is the one God in three persons. Make sense? Second, we value the desire of Jesus to be with Him in His presence and to see His glory 
which is defined as, as his life and as his love. That's the, I want them to be with me, to see my glory, the love that you had for me before the creation of the world. That's verse 24. And then finally there, we value growing in the Father's love for the Son of God. And that's that life verse that I was mentioning. Like, come on, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's be the answer to Jesus' prayer. Father, pour out your love on us. We stand under the waterfall of your love and give us your love for the Son of God. And he's praying big. He's like not upset that we're gonna have his love and that he's sharing the fullness of all that he has with us. We don't think that way. But that's the way he's, he's wanting us to come into this. It's an incredible thing, the love of God. I, uh, just for clarity, practically, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I debated throwing this in because, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but uh, this passage, what do you think of when you think of 1 Corinthians 13 and love? Is, is marriage. But actually, Paul's writing to a divided church that's, that's got all kinds of divisions, and they're rallying around different people in the church. And he's saying, now, this is how I want you to love one another. When you're tempted to divide, this is how you love one another. Here we go. So, see, Weddings, amen. This is great. <laughs> Every married couple needs this too. But we need it in the church, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Just practically, it's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Loving one another, it's not, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Only God can do that in and through us. His forgiveness, his life, his love. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Oh, Lord. It always perseveres. Love never fails. It's interesting that we brought up love, like marriage, because it, it is a covenant kind of thing. And we don't talk this way. And it's on me, too. I mean, I, I don't always talk this way. I don't always talk about covenant love. And yet, that's, what's, that's what this, this kind of love is. This is next level. And we were talking about this on the... We had a oversight team call on Friday for the Antioch world and, and we were talking about loving one another and living in unity together so that we make these commitments of love to one another and we lock arms together so that we're not, when we're running next year, whatever, on the race, we're not looking at the side going, are you about to shoot me? You know, but we're actually, we're in this thing together with our arms locked and we're not wondering, are you about to pull a gun on me? You know, verbally or whatever, but we're in it together. And we're all free, but, but there is, it's, it's more, I think, probably than what we thought it was. Lord, help us. 
practical questions. Just ask, ask these questions. Is there a place in my life or my loving life where I need patience or kindness, where I'm getting easily angered, or I'm thinking too much of myself, self-promoting, self-serving, where I'm keeping a record of wrongs. Lord, help us. And when we do that, we're a signpost people. If we could manifest that kind of love, that's, that's a signpost. People are gonna be attracted to that, drawn to that. Like he says, people will come to Jesus. It's like one of the most evangelistic things we could ever do as a people is love one another and walk in unity together. And really not let whatever's coming at us break us up, you know, in our love for one another. Signpost people. And I'm gonna just say this again because we, we need to hear this. It's like we think of the cross and we think of justification by faith. I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm going to heaven when I die. That is just in the water of American Christianity. And it's not untrue, it's just, oh yeah, what about unity? Unity's in the cross of Jesus Christ. The atonement, him taking on our humanity and him dying for us and be, making us to be one new humanity together is in the cross just like forgiveness is in the cross. And I'm saying let's step it up and put it onto the priority place that it ought to be moving forward and in the days ahead. We live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer and worship we're a prayer and worship people. You know, we were praying in there on Tuesday uh, this past week, and we were praying for unity, and we were praying, and as the Lord raises the water level of our Holy Spirit life, it, it's like the water level rises above the old walls of division. If you, you know, like every lake around here has got some old town down at the bottom of it, <laughs> right? And, but the lake is above the walls, and God wants to raise his activity above the old walls of why we would exclude somebody. Good. You know, and persecution will do that. 2020 will get you clearer on that. And every now and then that, that just pops up in different, I don't know, ugh, you know. But God wants us to realize that we are one people with every tribe and language and nation and tongue that's in Christ, whether it's ethnicity or denominations or different theological emphasis. We are one people in Christ. Right. There, there will be one flock and one shepherd. And it will take faith and hope and love and courage. And it's, I think sometimes the church has only the foggiest idea of what it's gonna look like to actually live it out. But we're in process. In the times, to quote Dylan, they're changing. The times are changing. And these prayers will be answered. This is not, we're not on a shaky limb to pray this way, that we would be one, as Jesus is one with the Father in their shared communion in the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. Union with God and union with one another in Christ. Amen. Let it be. Y'all stand up. Aaron, come on up, ministry team. And uh, if you're praying for somebody, come on up here. You know, this is one of those messages like, okay, <laughs> this is for me. This is for all of us. There's something here for everybody. And if your heart's being stirred, I really just want to encourage you right now to engage. Let's, let's engage. 
right here, right now in this moment, let's engage. Lord, help us. If your heart's being stirred, then come and get prayer. Let's press into the Lord together on this. If your heart's being stirred, more of the Holy Spirit, more water level rising right now. There's nothing more important than this. If you need to repent for not loving the body or judging the body of Christ, man, let's do that. Let's realign. Or if you've not been loved by the body of Christ and you need to get prayer for that, then the thing is, if you've not been loved, then ask God to fill your heart up so that you won't be the person that stops that love from flowing to someone else. We want to all be conduits of the love and the grace and the life of God. Let's break the cycle in our time. And, uh, you know, I listed a bunch of things that cause anxiety earlier. And um, just, if you're going through some of that, man, let's get prayer. Let's pray for each other. Let's release prayer even in our midst. We've only got a few people here, so let's, let's just pray for each other. Lord, would you meet us here? Whatever our need is, please, Lord, help us to get help right now in this moment. Just ask somebody to pray in Jesus' name. Whatever your need is, guys, come. Let's press into the Lord here in this moment. Coming. Amen. If you need the Lord, come. If you need his love, come. We love you, Lord.